This episode is brought to you by Netflix. Hold your carriage horses and tighten those corsets. Bridgerton is back. Longtime friends Colin Bridgerton and Penelope Featherington find themselves in quite the precarious situation. The wallflower is ready to bloom. But has Penelope truly pushed aside her feelings for Colin? Will Colin realize his feelings before another suitor takes Penelope's hand? This gentle reader can't wait to find out. Watch part one of Bridgerton only on Netflix May 16th. Hello and welcome back to the Sunday special episode of the U Up podcast. I'm Jordana Abraham. And I am Jared Freed. It is so good to be back here with you, Jordana. We are joined on a very special episode with a very special guest. Yes. Welcome, Dr. Emily Morse. Welcome back. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here with you uh, virtually. Where are you coming from? I'm in Los Angeles. I'm in Santa Monica, California. To be specific. Santa Monica. Beautiful Santa Monica. It is beautiful. I got to say that. It's an idyllic place to live. It's great. (laughs) And you have a new book that's out right now. And it is called Smart Sex, available everywhere. Do you want to explain the book to the listeners and what they'd be getting from Smart Sex? Yeah, thank you. It's a great question. Smart sex. So as you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. I started a podcast 18 years ago. I've been talking to people about sex for 20 20 years years of fucking 20 (laughs) years of exactly of sex. Yeah. And so I started to write this book and I was like, you know, is this your first book? It's my second book. My first book was 12 years ago. It's a sec. Yeah. My first book was called hot sex. Mm. This is smart sex. And this book is really, I think it's, it's the last sex book anyone's ever going to need because it has every single sex tip that I've ever, I've ever spoken to, that I've ever explained to people. It is pretty much broken down into different body parts, like how to be the best at anal, oral, communication. However, why this book is different is because it, I also realized when I was writing it, when it comes to sex, everybody wants a quick fix. They email me and they're like, how do I give a better blowjob? What's the right sex toy? What's the best position for this? And I could do that literally with my eyes closed and I love helping anybody. But then I realized that sex is not about a quick fix. It's not about just one thing that's gonna change your life. Like if five women emailed me, which happens almost every day that they can't have an orgasms, have an orgasm, there's five different reasons. And then there's five different paths to get there. So I created the five pillars of sexual intelligence or sex IQ. You know how there's like EQ? Do you remember like in the 90s when emotional intelligence came out and everyone was like, oh, it doesn't just mean like, thank God, phew, I'm still smart. Even though I sucked on my SAT scores, I'm still smart because I have emotional intelligence or I have empathy, empathy, street smart. Or I have empathy, or I have compassion. You know, I'm compassionate. Same thing goes for sexual intelligence. People often assume, well, I give a great blowjob. My penis is fabulous. I, you know, whatever. I have all these things, but the truth. I is- I have a T-shirt that I wear all the time. It says, <laughs> my, my penis, penis is, fa- is fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> I knew this. I was speaking to you, Jared. So, so what? There's you. five pillars, and these pillars are about. They're a holistic view to sex, and there's. So it's about these five ways that we all need to work on to become sexually intelligent, aware, have more pleasure. It's really about being intentional and conscious about sex, so we can all have the best sex of our lives. That's smart sex. That's awesome. I feel like our our listeners are gonna are gonna love that when you when you talk about like. Um, sexual intelligence, I guess, in that way. Is it 
is it kind of about like body confidence or feeling good yes. about yourself? Do you feel like the people who are smart at sex are like the people who kind of know their bodies the best? Yes, it's a great question. So the third pillar of of, of sexual intelligence is se- is um, is self acceptance. And that is confidence. So I can walk you through the pillars really quickly because they're kind of like, like, oh, I get it now. But self-acceptance is a huge one. If we don't feel good in our bodies and we're walking around all day, like, I hate my body, I hate my thighs. And then we're like, when I get naked with my partner, why aren't I aroused, turned on and having great sex? So I give a lot of tools to work on confidence because let me remind somebody that that's not... I, I believe you don't arrive to a place of confidence and you're done. It is a daily practice for, for many. So that's one of the pillars is how confident are you? That's going to impact everything. Right. I guess, uh, I guess to speak on that, you got to study to be ready for the test. Yeah. You know, if sex is the test, you got to be prepared <laughs> all day with your, you know, self love and attitude. Exactly. That leads you into the right place for sex. I got to wonder, um, I would imagine, you said you get five emails a day from women asking how to at, get an orgasm. At least. Yeah. So, <laughs> sex two to tango, unless you're masturbating, you know, so, you know, if someone's like, I want to learn how to dance, and then they're like, but my partner doesn't want to, doesn't have an interest, how do you get, if you're out there being like, I want to get an orgasm, do you have to talk to the other side? You know, I would imagine you're getting in a lot of scenarios where it's like one person who's ready, willing, and able to take the sex with Emily class, and then there's a partner who's like, well, we'll see, or that that doesn't show up. How do you deal with that where you're dealing with one side of the equation? Well, it's a great question, Jared, because here's the thing. There's many ways to answer this. First off, yes, it takes two to tango, and the fifth pillar is collaboration. The fifth pillar of sexual intelligence is how well do I actually communicate to my partner about sex, about what I want, about what my body looks like, about what's gonna give me an orgasm, that's a big part of it. However, I used to think, like everything is like, I always say research is me search. And when I started 20 years ago, I was faking orgasms. I did not know how to have great sex, like all the things. But what I learned is I used to blame my partners when I didn't have an orgasm. I thought it was their responsibility. But what the truth is, and what I teach in the book is we are responsible for our own orgasms and our own pleasure, not our partners. That's right, women. I've been saying this for years. It's your fault. Well, it's your Not fault. Not me. Exactly. It's your fault if you don't listen, though. Well, here's the thing. No, I'm kidding. I I think that's a good that's a good starting point. Obviously, the guy won't go down on you as a part of the issue. But I'm saying, yes. you know, the 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 idea of knowing yourself. How how can you expect someone to know you before you know yourself? Exactly. So that's why the best way to figure out how to have an orgasm is to masturbate, understand your body, so then you could explain it to a partner. But I love that you brought up the fact that my partner, if your partner doesn't go down on you, and you literally, so for so many women, oral sex is the path to orgasm. It is not your penis. It has nothing to do with your penis. In fact, for the majority of women, they're going to have an orgasm from mouth fingers mm. or a toy not see, a i like that this this would be a fun speech to see you give to like a group of women like uh, at fine. like a boot camp no. it I mean, ain't the penis <laughs> it's gonna be your mouth your fingers you know like i want to see mean, you scream this at a bunch of people this, this I is do. a fun I thing scream- uh-huh. <laughs> or billboards i literally want a billboard right. that's like only 17 percent of women are going to orgasm from your penis like i just literally need everyone to know this like a psa I'm dead. I have that tattooed on my chest so that they don't forget it. <laughs> I mean, anecdotally, I hear that a lot from like any woman that I speak to that it's much more less likely that they're coming from like vaginal sex. But 
I wonder why that is like evolutionarily like it doesn't really make any sense right that like the most pleasure you're getting has nothing to do with anything reproductive right 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 well I can tell you we could talk about this because it's it's, it pisses me off too because sex has been so centered on penetration which is something that I also try to change in my book smart sex and on my podcast sex with Emily like this has been my mission is that so if you go back to religion right who has had has a lot to say and the patriarchy love men I hate when people use patriarchy Mm -hmm. like so cavalierly I just mean in the sense of men like like that religion it's like it's about procreation and religion in particular has been like we only want you to have sex to have babies turns out so that makes sense but why what women don't have the most pleasure that way is because and I don't know why evolutionarily speaking that is but what I can tell you it is through the clitoris and so I think evolution perhaps when we learned about pleasure the clitoris has 12,000 nerve endings and the, and that if you do use your fingers or a toy when you're having penetrative sex with a woman she's more likely to orgasm that way and evolutionary speaking the the women who do have orgasms during penetration that 17 to 20 percent is because their clitoris is closer to their vaginal opening and so it means that when they're mm. riding on top that the that it's pulling like it's it's literally close to the vaginal opening so when you're grinding it means that you're like if your penis is going inside of it it's pulling the clitoris in it's closer so it's not really because listen this penis going inside the vagina like that is not hitting anything that feels good for those watching on youtube emily (laughs) is fucking her own hand with her other hand exactly Okay, for those not watching on YouTube. No, I mean, I think that makes sense. You know what? I'm just thinking about it. Like, it might make more sense that it's not, that most people don't come from vaginal sex because if you think about evolutionarily, you're trying to, like, in these in these cultures, you're trying to only have sex with men who you think are going to stick around and help you raise these kids, right? And who are those men? Those are the men that, are, that care probably if you feel good. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. So maybe exactly. that's evolutionarily like it's supposed to be a little bit more difficult so that you can weed out the guys who only care about themselves and don't care about helping you get off i love that right. yeah i think that's a great that's that yeah that makes a lot of sense because imagine if we had orgasms because here's the thing there's like this massive orgasm gap right so men are going to orgasm in nine out of ten every nine, 9.999 situations jared's gonna have an orgasm i women no like i'm gonna orgasm 11 out of 10 times okay exactly so yeah. we're like 40 to 50 percent of times but could you imagine if we orgasmed as frequently as men we'd be having sexes but we'd be like i don't know we maybe we would have more sex with people we would but we just don't have as many so sex is more challenging for women and we don't get as attached and have as much pleasure as we could because we don't know really how to articulate we feel bad maybe that we don't orgasm in a certain way but man if we could orgasm like men god knows what the world would be like are you ready to shop rakuten's big give week is back Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including Headliners, Ulta, Fenty Beauty, Levi's, Adidas, and so much more. Seriously, the list seems endless. Rakuten is how the -the in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals. During Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th, the cash back rates are even bigger. Personally, I'll be shopping for beauty and apparel. You can save on everything you need for summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. You know I love to find the best deals while I'm shopping. And trust me, Rakuten is the hack to save money while shopping. Rakuten is the most rewarding way to shop and save because members can earn cash back on everything they buy. Rakuten is a shopping platform that partners with over 3,500 stores across every category like beauty, clothing, electronics, travel, and dining. And this week only, you're going to get the best deals ever. 
Membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you can get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app, R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. You guys know I'm a huge fan of Skims, and with warmer weather coming up, I recently tried out one of their t-shirts. Skims makes the best basics and foundations, so it's no surprise that it's the best-fitting tee I've ever worn. Finding the perfect t-shirt can be such a challenge, whether it's the fit or the quality, but with Skims, they make the most flattering shirts for everyone. Honestly, I love pretty much everything Skims makes, but I really love their t-shirts. They're like form-fitting, and they make my body just look that much smoother. I have the soft, smoothing, seamless t-shirt in Onyx. It has amazing versatility. It is literally a must-have for a spring wardrobe. They're stretchy, they're flattering. You can dress it up or dress it down, and you don't have to worry about compromising style or comfort. I also have the cotton jersey t-shirt in marble, and it's really just changed the game for me. It's taking the regular t-shirt, it's leveling it up. There's no stretched collars or hems, and it literally fits like a dream. Skims t-shirts are made with innovative technology while always keeping style and comfort in mind. From crop silhouettes to long sleeve layering tees, Skims has something for every fit and everybody. Shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com now available in sizes extra extra small to 4x if you haven't yet be sure to let them know i sent you after you place your order select podcast in the survey and select you up in the drop down menu that follows there's no better feeling than spinning around in a salon chair to see your hair looking absolutely perfect but it feels impossible to come up with that same look at home even the best blowout brush won't give you that salon shine thanks to vegamore sticking to my hair routine has never been easier and i'm finally seeing the shinier healthier looking hair that i've always wanted now i love the way my hair looks and feels it's like salon fresh hair that starts at the roots. I have the Grow Hair Serum and I can already tell that it's working. Like my hair feels healthier. I love that it doesn't make my hair feel oily or sticky. I feel like I'm doing something really healthy for my hair. I also got to try the Lash Serum and the Brow Serum. Honestly, my hair has been hard to grow. So I love what Vegamore is doing and I'm already seeing results. I'm already seeing thicker, faster growing hair. Vegamore products are 100% cruelty-free and are never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. When it comes to seeing results, the key is consistency. For best looking results, use for a minimum of three months for visibly fuller, healthier, and thicker looking hair. When I sign up for monthly subscription, I can get one bottle or three bottles sent. Plus, I save more and I never run low on the products I need to take care of my hair. Give your hair the power of a little pink bottle with Vegamore. For a limited time, you up listeners get 20% off their first order by going to vegamore.com slash UUP and use code UUP at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash UUP, code UUP to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash UUP, code UUP. What is a good um, like strategy for someone out there that's like, I want, you know, I'm not orgasming as much as I'd like to with my partner. What would be kind of like step one to that person? Like other than buying the book, Smart Sex, available now everywhere you can buy a book. What is the like step one holistically? You're sitting there. Listener is right now listening. They got their pen and paper out. What's the first thing they can do to orgasm more? Well, okay. I would say the first thing to do to orgasm more alone is to masturbate, is to look between your legs with a mirror to understand your body and how you how you orgasm. And if you how many a, times a day? How many times a day? Once a day masturbation. But I never want to tell. Listen, I never want to tell people to do something once a day because I find that hard. Every day you should meditate. Every day you should journal. Every day you should work out like right. that. Who, then then you feel like a failure the day you don't. So, so. three is too much. No, three times a day. Uh, 
<laughs> no. Asking, asking for, for a friend. friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, so, okay, yeah, so do it, do do something. Know your do body. Do some sort of masturbation. The second thing is tell your talk to your partner about your sex life in a really open, like one of my missions, another one of my missions, we've covered a lot of them, is, is, is to normalize talking about sex. Like you're talking about the weather. Like my partner and I talk about sex all the time, but not in a way that's like, he's like, so last night, that was how, what do you think? Or what, did you like that move? Or what about tonight? What should we do? We, we, or we don't want to have sex. We explain why, like, oh, not tonight because I'm exhausted, but we should probably have sex on Saturday. We just like friggin' talk about it. Like, and then, and then where should we go for dinner? So if you can't have it, and I, I understand that most people are not there yet, but what I think, what I, what I, what I encourage people to do is to have an open-ended conversation with your partner about sex. You don't want to lead with the fact of there. I've been having a dearth of orgasms in this relationship, and it's your fault. Like we're not leading with that. But yeah, let's you leave out say, the word dearth. <laughs> you could say, you know, I would love to have a conversation about our sex life. Like I want to be a fucking. Gr- I want to be your best lover yet, and I'm sure you want to be mine. Let's figure out how to do that. And then if you say. What are the three most memorable times we've had sex together? You could just talk about that. And then from there, you could kind of, what was happening at those moments, you know? And then you could be like, well, I'd love to have more orgasms. I've been kind of figuring out what works for me. I realized, for example, I'm just throwing it out there. Oral sex is a really big source of my arousal. So if you go down on me more, I know that I will be having screaming orgasms. Would you be down with that? Or I've got this new toy and I'd love to show it to you because this toy really gives me great orgasms. And if I showed you how to work it, that would really be next level. Or we could use it during sex or we could use it penetration. You know what I'm saying? So just start talking about it generally and then get more specific because your partner might be like, yeah, I want to give you orgasms and I want to blindfold you or I want to tie you up. I have this great thing on my website. It's also in my book, Smart Sex, but it's on my website as a free downloadable guide. It's the Yes, No, Maybe guide. And the Yes, No, Maybe guide has about a hundred different sex acts in it. And you take it with your partner and it has everything like spanking, cuddling, anal, using sex toys. And you get to go through it and you say, is this a yes? Is it a no or is it a maybe? And then you compare lists. Do you fill it out alone first or do you do it together? You go alone Alone. and you come back to the same room and you go through the list. Yes. And then you're like, oh my God, you want a dirty talk? I want a dirty talk. What are we waiting for? Or, you know, so because couples, what I found in all these years that couples don't often have the language or they don't know how to do it. They don't really even know the option sexually, but they know that they're bored or they want to try Mm. something new. So I just really, my life work is to give people all these different ways to kind of get into pleasure. Yeah, I love that because I feel like people can always, like when you want to improve something in your relationship, it can always feel like if you're bringing something up, you're bringing it up out of nowhere, you're afraid of being judged or, you know, you're afraid of the other person thinking that they're not fulfilling you. And I love love this because it's like you're sort of forcing a two-way vulnerability um, where the person doesn't have to feel like embarrassed of stating what they want or, making, or if it seems random or if it seems out of nowhere, like you're doing this exercise together to better your sex life as a couple. Exactly. And th- I love that you brought that up, Jordana, because most people find it awkward and they're afraid that their partner's going to freak out and be like, oh my God, I'm a terrible lover. People are afraid of insulting their partners. So they literally just stay mute and then they silently suffer through bad sex. So the more we can make these conversations about oh, us, oh, we, like 
let's do this. And I do have my three T's of communication for any awkward conversation that also helps make this like a lot easier. So you're not worried about it. It's, and that is until you can find the right place. It's timing, tone, and turf. And I, I might have talked about this to you guys before, but it's like, I, it's probably one of my most repeated pieces of advice. But just so you remember it, it's like, make sure it's a good time. Like, it's not when you're frustrated with your partner and you're fighting. An easy way to think of it is when you're not halt, and that is hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. You are chilling, having a good conversation. You're going for a walk. The tone is open, curious, compassionate, and it is not judgmental. You never go down on me. Why don't you ever initiate? It's like open, like, let's talk about our sex life. I'm so curious. How can we be great lovers to each other? And then the turf is outside the bedroom, not in the bedroom. Don't have these conversations outside. in the bedroom. Okay. Yeah. That's a, I, I love that. I think like it is, um, you know, these conversations to me are hot. Like, <laughs> yeah. these are hot, you know, even the discussion of it, I think, is hot. I think for a lot of, you know, from the male side of things, I think, like, we get, you know, men get the reputation of, like, all you think about is sex, all you talk about is sex. But it's really not that deep, you know, the male side of thing. It's like, who you fucking, do you want to fuck, are you fucking? Mm -hmm. And it's when these conversations happen with your partner, I think that there's so much, like, over a glass of wine and a candle lit, like that's where shit gets more exciting right. in my experience rather than, you know, the top level conversation. Like this is more fun than, even though this sounds like a chore, the three T's, whatever, this is a thing on the list, you know, during glass of wine after dinner, you know, at a meal, like what a, what a nice thing to be exactly. talking about is, you know, instead of the, yeah. the kids or are we moving in yet? Okay. <laughs> I mean, the context, yeah, is everything. What would you, what, what do you think of um we've seen this a lot at our san francisco live shows of uh like ethical non-monogamy is that something that you like work with people on or is that something that I you do. see as like a trend or I or do. something that you believe in i don't know mm -hmm. yeah i mean i i believe that it exists I, I believe that it's growing right now it's people have a lot more interest it's funny i was late turning in my manuscript for smart sex because i had to add a chapter about ethical non-monogamy because there are so many questions there are so many more people who have interested in it and who want to know more about it because i think people are talking about it more people are experimenting with it more and i do think it's listen it's not for everybody, okay, at all. But neither is monogamy. And I think there's a lot of people who silently suffer through monogamy, wishing they had another uh, way to orient their relationship and they don't so and they they like don't know how or they don't so i really break it down in my book into what ethical non-monogamy is and what it isn't because most people think it's an excuse to just have sex with as many people as possible um because you're bored with your partner and it is not that like those are not the couples that are going to be uh succeeding at ethical non-monogamy yeah a lot of times when i see it it to me like if i'm like my most honest self i'm like yeah, that's a way a guy gets ahead of being called a fuckboy. You know, like it's right. just kind of an easy morality play that kind of changes the branding on what you're doing. And you can always, you know, it's easier to opt into monogamy than it is to opt out of monogamy. Right. You know, so as, if you put it on, because we, you know, Jordana mentioned that was in San Francisco. They're seeing that on the apps a lot where yes. that's what I am looking for. And then there's this assumption, you know, since the beginning of time, how many times have, 
you know, the, the this is cliche, but it's also true of the, I can change him. You know what I mean? So someone goes, oh, I see ethically non-monogamous, not for me, but then they'll meet me and I'll be the one. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I, mm -hmm. I, that's kind of my assumption on it is a lot of people are using, you know, kind of using it to their own benefit. But do you see that a lot? Do you see where couples come to you and they go, well, they're bringing up open relationship now. And now you're like, okay, well, how do I suss out whether this is a real thing or not? Yeah, I hear this a lot. So first, what you're, first, what I've noticed too is that it's all over the dating apps. And my mm. friends who are not looking for ethical non-monogamy are like, what the hell? Like, I'm so tired of the dating apps that everyone's like looking for a throuple. Like, what the hell happened? That is a trend. But number two, I think that what's happening is that couples are realizing that there's just other, yeah, other options. And, and what ethical non-monogamy could look like is going to a play party or a sex party once a month or once every few months where they like play around with another couple or they swap or they whatever. But but I don't think that, I and, and, and I think that for some couples, usually they, you know, they have to both be on board with it and they have to make rules and they have to, you know, they have, they, they have boundaries and they practice like a rigorous honesty. But the couples, if they're like trying to talk their partner, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but if they're trying to talk your partner into it, like if someone comes to me and they're like, I really want, can you get my partner to be ethically non-monogamous? Mm. Like, and they're like, hell no, like there's no way, like that is never going to happen. But it's couples who are really like, they, they, maybe they've been together for a while. They have really good sex, but they realize that this particular relationship, this monogamous relationship actually isn't going to be able to fulfill our sexual needs. And sometimes sex is just sex. It's like going to the theater. You don't go every night, but some nights when you go, you appreciate it. Your partner doesn't like going to theater. Your partner doesn't like choking you. This person likes to choke you. Like this person wants to tie you up. I have a kink. My partner can't fulfill that kink. So I'm going to go find someone who can. And these couples who do practice ethical non-monogamy, they have something called compersion. They develop something called compersion. And compersion is when you actually feel pleasure when your partner feels pleasure. You feel satisfaction. You're happy to know that they had a good time. Mm, now, okay. for other couples hearing this, they're <laughs> this like- sounds like a sales thing. Don't you want me to be happy <laughs> right. during a blowjob from someone else? It doesn't work for everybody. But for some people, they're like, yeah, go get your blowjobs. I've given you enough blowjobs because I mm. wanted this guy to go down on me or whoever. But again, you know, a lot of most people that you say this to are like, hell no. If I picture my partner with somebody else, it's, it's it makes me so jealous and the conversation's over. And that's how it goes for most many, the majority of people. But other people get inspired by well, this. They learn to, you know, figure it out. That produces kind of a question for me. You you say, if someone's out there, I can't imagine you with anyone else. Okay, fine. Let's get away from not, you know the non-monogamy thing. You go, but someone in your relationship goes, I have, I want to be tied up. And the other person's like, uh-uh. What do you do? Well, I think what you do is, well, okay, I'm glad you brought this up too, because a lot of times our partners, I want you to remember this, everybody, like you're listening. A lot of times we're going to make a request, a bid to our partner. We're going to ask for something sexually and they're going to say no because 
we don't talk about sex enough that anything outside of traditional practices seems weird or kinky or we're like oh my god i i don't you're that next you know this is a slippery slope <laughs> like next thing we're going to build a dungeon in the basement you know like what do you so i think right. we have to also then we'd be have to hire some people it's very the expensive whole thing. to make you know house changes exactly like but i think if you let your partner know why you i think a lot of times we leave out the why and the how so if i just said i want to be tied up you're like hell no but if like well let me tell you more about it i have this fantasy about you tying me up and my arms are restrained i have a blindfold on and you can do whatever you want to me and the hot part for me is that i don't really know what's coming next and that's really hot to me you can do whatever you want to me or you know you could flip me over you could use this toy on me and i just love the idea of being restrained and being powerless against your desire is that something you'd be into and then you might be like oh yeah, I totally understand why that's part of your arousal now. But let's say you still say no. Like, I have no zero interest in tying you up. I don't like the idea of you being restrained. I grew up as a feminist man, and tying you up makes me feel like I'm about to rape you and be thrown in jail, for example. Well, then okay. I could say to you as my partner, I could say, okay, so the restraints part doesn't really work for you. What if it's just like the pair of these fuzzy handcuffs? I leave them on the bed. You do it. My hands are back. You don't have to choke. Like you negotiate, right? You're like, well, what about this? Mm -hmm. What if we tried this once? Like what part of it is hot to you? Because I think a lot of sex is negotiation and finding, or maybe, and maybe if you're like, no, no, no. I'm like, okay, well, why don't we watch porn of people being tied up and see if that's hot for both of us, right? So I don't think we have to abandon our desires, but sometimes we just have to like negotiate it and find other ways to get our needs met. But I think we just don't, I think that the reason just remembering the point is your partner says no, it might be a hard, like a hell no, but it might be like, mm, I don't have enough information and I feel threatened by you wanting something that I don't understand. That makes sense. It makes perfect sense. I, I, you know, it's funny because like you get into these things, these, you know, you get into the sex conversation and what normally happens, and this isn't said on the internet is what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Missionary. And both people are not opening up. I think what we're talking about is easier said than done, you know, in a couple, because there's a lot of like, you know, the, you know, the, the shirt's been buttoned up on the, sometimes you're a year in, why are you bringing this up now? What? Well, let me tell well, you that's this, why The checklist is great. The checklist yeah. is great right. for that. I agree with that. Well, Jared, I got to say this. So I, this book, my, I'm telling you, I am pushing this book because I literally know that after 20 years, this book is going to open up any single couple's relationship, whether you've been together for 10 months or 10 years. And I was just in New York. Um, I did my book launch at the Strand and I had like, and I've never done a live event. So I love that you guys are doing that. I've never done it in all these years. I'm literally in a box podcasting for 20 years. I had 150 people show up, listeners that I've never met, which was the most heartwarming. Leather straps. No. Handcuffs. <laughs> the most normal, <laughs> typical people you've ever seen who had been together, who were like, thank you so much. You've saved our relationship. We are after 10 years, we've been listening for, to your podcast for three years and now we are having great sex. Now we're open. Now we're getting our needs met. We almost got divorced until we learned to talk about sex. So I'm telling you, I, yes, most couples are buttoned up, but that's why I do what I do because I get that it's hard to start to kind of unwind that, but I actually have 20 years of experience. I know I keep saying that because it's like a lot for me. It's like, whoa, that people really can change if you both want to. I, I guess like, you know, we have a lot of single people that listen to this podcast. So there's single people out there. When do the, you know, would you say that the, like when you're single is the 
run-of-the-mill everyday sex, the starting point. Like, there's this thing of, like, I think sometimes people go too hard too soon. They're like, you know, right. especially we, with porn. We get, of, we get a lot of those stories. Tons of those stories. <laughs> where, like, the guys, like, or the, you know, I want to do this, and they're set on whatever. Or they don't even talk about it, and they're just trying, they're like, or they're telling you, like you said, the place not to tell you, in the bedroom, the first time you're having sex, I want you to do this, and the person's like, whoa, like, I don't, I didn't really know you that well yet. Right. <laughs> Is the road to, like, differentiating sex and, you know, explore exploration after a relationship has been started? Because there might be someone that's like, I just want to find, you when, know. Right, when can you bring in your kink? Right, when do you bring <laughs> in your tastes into the bedroom? Right. I mean, I think, I believe that if you are naked with somebody, which is a very intimate act. You are together naked doing something that is, I can't think of anything really more intimate. It's time to start talking about your sex life. It's time to find out if somebody is into what you're into because why should you silently suffer in a relationship if your partner doesn't want to get into what you're into? And I love to say like, let's try to find partners who have a growth mindset around sex. Do you, are you somebody who wants to grow? Do you want to talk about sex? Do you want to expand sexually? Because if you're, because what I find after all these years is that there are peep couples who are like, who email me or call into the show and they've been together a long time and they say, my partner won't talk about it. My partner won't go down on me. My partner says sex is a conversation that is closed for good. Why not find that out at the beginning when you first start mm. sleeping with somebody? Are they invested in your pleasure? Do they want to find out what feels good to you? Do they care? It, you know, and, and if so, like, yeah, then that's the time to start talking about what you're into. I think if you have a kink that's an important source of your arousal and your desire, like let that partner know. And then how great to find out early on that this person's not into it, that they think that they don't want to do it because then you can find someone who wants to. So again, to me, I, I just feel like sooner the better. Find out now. Why should you suffer in a bad sexual relationship? How do you suggest, like, when you're 10 years in, it's a difficult conversa conversation. When you're 10, you know, three months in, it's a different type of, you know, right. difficult conversation. Well, yeah, I think, and I think that's the mistake we see a lot of our uh, writers do is they bring up these things like, in the actual moment when the person hasn't had time to decide if it's like, that's something that they're into mm. or not. Yes, exactly. And I have a lot of scripts in the book. I My communication chapter is probably the longest chapter in the book because great sex isn't really, is more about communication than anything else. And I give scripts, literal scripts for how to ask your partner for certain things because I know how hard it is. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that we do it at the right time, at the wrong time. We do it at the right, we do it at the terrible moments. Like that's, that's why I say don't have it in the bedroom. In the bedroom, we we are like aroused. We're in a different state. We're in an altered state. We're thinking we're about to get a blowjob and our partner's like like telling us all these things they want and we're all confused. So yeah, you got to do it in like a way that people, your partner can hear and they can listen. And so yes, I agree that it's hard three months or 30 years in. It's all hard. But I'm telling you, I, would, I, I, I promise everybody that it gets easier. And it, maybe it's awkward at first, but for the majority of people that I know that have gotten back to me and told me they do this, it saves their lives, it saves their relationships, it changes everything. Like, why can't right. we talk Can you about it? pass the ketchup? Also, would you like to dress up as a bunny rabbit? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know that feeling when you're going on your first date with the person you've been seriously crushing on and realize you have absolutely nothing to wear? 
Maybe you find yourself wishing you had the perfect pair of jeans, the one you can fancy up, fancy down, and just look better every time you wear them. Well, that's why you need to check out Lee Denim. I love Lee Denim. I'm wearing them today in the office. I'm wearing their jeans. I love, they also have this other pair that I have at home that I'm really excited to wear. It's like a little baggier, but it's still so comfortable and yet it's still so flattering. I don't know how they do it. Every time you wash it, they also look even better. And I love that they flatter every body type. Denim trends come and go, but Lee is legendary for creating denim cuts that fit your body. Their denim gets better with age and their classics fit into every look. Lee's denim jacket is the one to reach for without fail. A classic. The Ryder jean jacket is the OG, what every other brand has copied for decades. Everyone is an icon in their own right, and Lee makes denim so people can own their style and feel good in their clothes. Their spring collection is here, so get the freshest looks and cuts before anyone else. You can find your Lee fits by visiting lee.com. That's lee.com to shop spring looks now. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Do you talk about like pleasure thieves? Yeah. Um, in the book. What, what can you like elaborate on that? What yeah, is, what is definitely. That? So I, I was realizing that I'm going to give this book, this is basically the sex Bible to everybody of all the ways they can have pleasure and have the sex they want. Da, da, da. But then like, we have to be real that there are things that are keep stealing our pleasure and they are hidden in plain sight. The first one is stress and anxiety. If you are a stressed person more than not, your cortisol levels are spiking. When your cortisol levels are spiking and you're in a heightened state of stress and anxiety, you're going to find it a lot harder to be aroused and turned on. It's literally impacting your chemistry in your body. Your endorphins and your serotonin and your dopamine won't be able to fire towards arousal. So we have to manage our stress and anxiety. That is stealing our pleasure. If we are in a stressful time, we won't be aroused turned on. The other one is shame. I mean, shame is a huge killer of our sex drive, whether we grew up in an environment where it wasn't okay to talk about sex and now we feel like we are constantly violating some secret covenant from our whatever, where we grew up. Um, we might have shame about our bodies. Someone might have shamed us or maybe we watch porn and think our bodies are not accurate and I want to, or aren't, aren't good enough. And I just want to remind everyone that porn is not real. Uh, it's scripted. Um, so... Uh, I, I think shame is a really big one. And then the other one is trauma. If we have any untreated trauma, um, trauma lives in our bodies, doesn't leave right. us unless we work on it. And so that could also uh, deeply affect our ability to be have more pleasure. We got this question that it always comes in and it always feels judgmental to me. And I want to hear what you have to Let's say. Let's hear it. It's a, this question was from Instagram. What, do, uh, what if my partner and I have different sex drives? 
Whenever I hear that question, it always feels like it's coming from the high sex drive person being like, this fucking person has a low sex drive. Even saying high sex drive and calling it low sex drive is a judgment. You know, when you hear that to me, to me, because it's mm -hmm. like, oh, one's one is obviously better than the other. Se more sex is better than one se sex a week. So how do you uh, do you yeah. do you agree, disagree? It's OK. Either way, how do you deal <laughs> with that in a couple? Like, is there a better way to kind of like negotiate yes. that? Yes. You're bringing up all the great points, because I would say that that's probably the number two question I get asked the most besides orgasms is what we call in the business mismatch libidos or desire desire discrepancy mm. in every relationship there is a high desire partner and a low desire partner that's just how it is someone wants more sex than the other person and then they're gonna have to learn to negotiate that and they're gonna have to learn how to figure out how to have uh sex at the right time the right place the right situation so everyone's getting their needs met and so yeah, I, I think it, it's, it, it's more of an observation than a judgment because it's like, okay, I need sex seven days a week. You feel like you need it not at all or once a week. How do we bridge that gap? And again, it's a conversation. It's a conversation outside the bedroom. It's a noticing. I, you know, I have a really high sex drive and I, I want sex more than you do. I realize that you only want sex once a week. Like, what could we do here? What when are you most in the mood for sex? Like, because I, I think that to me sounds like you have to have sex like, if you can, three times a week, right? <laughs> three and a half right. to Split negotiate, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, maybe half is like a hand job, but I mean, you you figure out what it is, <laughs> and, and so maybe it's like every other week, right? Like maybe you're like, okay, well, this week we're gonna have it three times, and next week it's one. So couples, but but the thing is, when they are aware of this, so that's one thing. Figuring out, no, recognizing it and not getting mad at your partners. We all have different desire levels and it changes. It changes throughout our lifetime. But for women with our menstrual cycles, sometimes there's certain times a month where we want sex more than others. We need to be aware of that. We need bodily wisdom. And that one of the pillars of sexual intelligence that I write about in Smart Sex is self-knowledge. How well do I know when I'm turned on, what gets me in the mood, what needs, what is required for me to be aroused? Because a lot of times, especially for women, we have something called uh, responsive desire. Men typically have spontaneous desire. So essentially men are, fry men are frying pans and women are slow cookers. We need to be warmed up and aroused and turned on and the laundry has to be done and the dishes need to be put back and the house has to be clean. We can finish our things. And again, I don't love to speak as much in genders because it, I feel like there's a lot of men who also have responsive desire. But what I'm saying is like, Jared, you might walk in, see a partner and be like, bang, I'm ready to go. I have an erection right and up. we're like, I need you to talk dirty. I need the other things. And so once couples can sort of reverse engineer what needs to happen, and this book helps people literally hack their arousal and desire. So like, so my partner actually knows all the things that need to happen. So I want to have sex more and I know what he needs or she needs. Right? So it's just like figuring out, think of it this way. I know for me, for example, working out, I like to, I like to equate sex to working out. I'm way more likely to work out if I sign up for my class ahead of time the night before, if my workout clothes are laid out by my bed, and maybe I have commitment with a friend to go to class. If I don't have accountability, it's not going to happen. With your sex life, you could do the same thing. You can schedule sex. You can make sure that the sheets are clean, your toys are charged, the kids, there's a babysitter, that it's not at the, like I tell my partner, I'm like, I'm not having sex 
past 11 o'clock at night during the week. Like, I'm exhausted. Don't try. I'm going to bed. Like, it won't happen. But if you want to have sex, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just know this about myself. I say it very lovingly, but then we find other times. We do it in the weekends or we do it. So, like, we just have to be clear. And again, this is, we don't often think about this. We just think sex should mysteriously, we should both be turned on at the same time. It doesn't happen. Right. Right, I, unless you're in the beginning of a relationship. Exactly, when it like, Jordana, exactly. There's that, like a lusty period, yeah. And that ends, <laughs> unfortunately. Right. So it's hard to find out who someone is and what their real libido is until you're, uh, you're further in, right? Two years in at least, or at the most. Two six, years in at six least. Six months, no, sorry. So the honeymoon phase lasts six months to two years. Okay, like the uh, like basically like the attachment phase too. Right. It's like sort exactly. of synonymous, I would imagine. So with that. I won't need just any somewhat private alley forever <laughs> well <That's, laughs> well jared only you can answer that question right i guess i have to wait to find out wait, yeah. another question we get a lot is people who are like um you know i'm we had sex or he couldn't get it up or he had some sort of sexual performance issue how do i how do i address that do i address that um that seems like a topic many men are very sensitive about so i feel like it, I'm still not really even sure what one would do that would be like the correct course of action. If Old softy. Yeah. As, the, as, 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 as they call it in the biz. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> we have to address the soft Sitting penis that's in the room. <laughs> right. With a mushy dick. Yeah. I think that we have, we all know there's, we all know that it's, we all know that there's a penis malfunction happening and to yeah. ignore it, we can't ignore it. So I think, again, this would be something outside the bedroom. Again, I know it feels like mushy penis is happening right now in front of me. I should bring it up. But I think this, again, is like when you're out <laughs> to dinner. Mushy penis, oh, mushy penis, you've ruined the big date. <laughs> well, here's the other thing. First off, I find that women, blame we blame ourselves. And we're like, he must not be into me. I did something wrong. He noticed that I gained two pounds. I, I'm a... Get bad at blowjobs. Whatever it is, we blame ourselves. But right. I don't know, Jared, you can tell me that most of the time it really, if you're not that you're- I'm hard all the time. What are you talking about? No, I, I don't know what you're talking about. No, I, I, I agree. It, it has never been really rare. Never been about, never is a strong way, but it's- uh, It's rarely when I get all mushy. Yeah, it's rarely the, the person on the other side that mushy dick comes and haunts our bedroom. It's other factors. Also like- the bodily stuff doesn't give as much. We, you know, women will say, "I need the mo- mood" or whatever. It's like, if I have a big fucking dinner, I'm not sitting there, you know, you know, right. hard, ready to go all the time. You know, like yeah. you, your body and mentality matter. Uh, a guy's body mentality matters too. And I think there's the societal expectation that men are always ready to go, and, and I feel like that probably mm-hmm. that probably hinders the the performance in itself. I exactly. kind of think of sex for a man like a baseball pitcher. You have like. You know, sometimes you're you're throwing strikes, and sometimes they gotta pull you out of the game. It ain't your day. Yeah, and that's all. And it's all okay. We gotta talk about it. Yeah. So if it's right in front of you in the moment, what is like? What is the course of action? Sitting there with a mushy pot of dick. So we're talking about a soft penis. We're not talking about like premature ejaculate. We're just saying like soft. I think it's like I think it's just normalizing. Like that's okay. Do you want to stop for a minute? Maybe here's the other thing. Like I, if they're hard and then they're not hard, what a great time to go down on your partner to please her because sometimes the penis gets soft. There's a lot of different reasons, but the penis might get soft because they're in their head. They're worried. They're anxious. They're worried that they're not going to get hard and they don't get hard. But if we can keep them busy, like going down on their partner, making sure they're pleased, 
they might just find that the erection comes back. I think we just can't trip on it, right? So also, and if we're having sex, it doesn't happen. We can say like, that's okay. Let's go back to making out. Let's go make a sandwich. Like, I think that sex doesn't have to be so preciously linear. You could stop, right. you could mm. start, you could do other things. You could be like, hey, let's take a break, but not make a big deal out of it because it's really not a big deal. But I think going back to what you said, Jordana, society, does, it's such a great point because society really does make us feel like men are like, I'm supposed to be turned on and hard like Jared 24 seven. And if I'm not, something is wrong with me, but like, but, but (laughs) men, it's not realistic. And so then men feel bad and women feel like it's our fault. And it's all just a bunch of fucked up. Well, you you brought up the premature ejaculate. You know, it's like, there's times where it's like, man, you know, I'm sitting there in hard town, USA sporting this, you know, this huge erection as I've, as people know, uh, no, there's times where you're hard and you're like going through all the pre-sex stuff. And then you're like, sex starts and you're like, well, the, the 10 minutes before don't count, you know, like, and then the you get to it. The timer hasn't started yet. The timer hasn't started yet. Mm-hmm. Then you get in, you know, like, and you're yeah. like, ah, oh, I'm a loser. You know, this happens more often than, you know, men will admit to. But I I do think this happens like and you're like, it's not. And then you have to be like, you know, the puppy dog eyes. I'm sorry. What do you what do you suggest in that? Because like I'm not. Listen, I'm, I'm making jokes. This is not beyond me. I've had that situation for me where I'm like, fuck, I ruined the party. I, I broke the I, I broke the the what's it called? The um, the Sonos. I'm the reason the music stopped. Yeah. I, what do you what do you suggest both sides of things? I don't think it ruins the party. I think that men are way more upset about it than women are. And I, agree. I think that right. I think your dad yeah. was out to say it too. Well, we're like, we're fine. Like, okay, that's no big deal. At least you, you got you got off. Now how about my orgasm? Maybe. So there's a few right. courses right. of action. Make sure that I'm gonna because now that we all know that we're not likely to orgasm from, and I'm not saying that many women don't, but there's other ways to get us off. It doesn't mean it has to end. Um, but I I don't think that women are judging you. Like, I, I mean, but that's that happens with men all the time. I think since the beginning of time, since high school, we with guys, they come too quickly and it happens throughout your lifetime. So I think that again, I think that men are way more freaked out about their penises than women are. No matter what their penis is doing, mm-hmm. we're like, that's fine. Okay, let's just, all right, let's turn out like, let's just keep going. Let's keep making out. Maybe we'll come back to this later. Maybe your erection will come back once you start doing something else. Maybe we continue mm. to make out or do whatever. I just think that it's really not this catastrophe. It's not like right. we're not we're not judging you. We're not. It's not like oh my god, the party's over. It's like great. I'm glad you got there. Hope you know. Now listen. If it's if it's every once in a while, that's fine. But for some men, they are chronically premature ejaculate. That's another conversation. You know, that is something that there's a lot of different reasons for that, and um, I get into that too in the book and in my website and all this stuff. But we talk about that a lot that there's stuff that men can do a lot of times it could be a pattern of ejaculating too quickly so you could do the stop start method where you masturbate into the point of going until you're about to go over and then you bring yourself back down again like edging you could also um there's something called a delay spray i love this brand promescent i've been working with them for a decade and it's a quickly absorbing delay spray that makes men helps land, let men last, I think, like 62% longer in bed. It doesn't transfer to a partner. That's like for temporary fixes. And what I found for some men, just knowing that they use this thing, this promescent, it helps them like their psychology around it too. It helps them just like last longer and then like they don't need it in the future because it's like a crutch. Because again, if you come too quickly once and then you do it again and again, it can become a thing. So you know, you just want to like a mental talk. thing. Yeah, yeah, it can become. A mental I agree. Thing. Women, 
women don't really care as much. I mean, we were just talking about how most women don't even come from a penis. That's nothing to do with it, exactly. right? We don't, we don't even need the penis. So I think it's much more about it's like- very comforting to know. I think, for, I, mean, I think for men, it's much more about, um, or for women's response to men, it's a lot more about what is the effort they're putting in to show that like, they're still, we're working on you. Exactly. Like, what is the effort to come back to be like, I came too quickly, but let me make sure you get off. She Comes First, another great sex book by Ian Kerner. Came out 20 years ago, but it's still a great book. She Comes First. Learn how to That's get always off. my goal. I'm always like, let me get you done. Done so. We can, so. Let so we me, focus and then on. we can focus on old mushy dick here. <laughs> what, about, <laughs> what about this topic of, um, of like consent? Because I think that's such an interesting, more maybe more modern day situation where you have a world, which is a good thing, where like you want to make sure the other person is consenting and is on board with everything you're doing. But almost sometimes, and I can say this personally, the act of someone asking kind of takes a little bit away from like the hotness of what you're doing. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Consent has become a really big topic, which I think, yes, again, I think it's been wonderful that we should actually be conscious about, you know, does our partner want this act done to them or with, do they want to be with me? And so I think that, you know, make sure that, you know, consent is ongoing. That's one of the big pieces of consent is that just because somebody consented last time, doesn't mean that they consented this time. Um, you want to make sure that you're you know, not too wasted and all these things. But to answer your question about, specifically about it not being hot, I think you can play with consent to make it hot. And one way to do that would be to say something like, um, you know, instead of can I kiss you, I can't stop thinking about making out with you right now. Would that be okay mm, if I kissed you? Okay. Right? The languaging. Right. Languaging. That's true. It's all about the verbiage. Right. The verbiage, the language. That sign here. Right. <laughs> May I kiss you now? Right. Different than I can't stop thinking about I, how I hot can't it would stop be to kiss think, you. Yeah. Right. And also like describing how you're gonna kiss them. Yeah. Right. Really. I guess you'll find out pretty quickly if you say that and the person's like, Well, I can. Right. <laughs> yeah. Has it crossed my mind? Right. <laughs> we had yeah. one uh, another question from someone. What sort of sex toys would be good for a new couple to start exploring intimacy? What do you beginners? Beginner sex toys, gosh, it's like there's so many out there now. It's um, so if a 12 couple, inch butt plug. No, butt plug oh, okay, wouldn't no, be no, starters, no. I don't think. We don't want to start, we don't want to go zero like to a hell. vibrator is always it was, a vibrator. Is the is way a great, I love yeah. like a penis ring, like a cock ring um, is great for couples because it involves the penis and the vulva. Um, and the vagina. I love a couple of wearable vibrator. You know, I just launched my website, sexwithemily.com. I just launched a new store after all these years where I realized that people ask me this all the time. So it's curated and it just has like my favorite toys there for couples, for first time vibes, all the things. But I, so I feel like it's a wearable vibrator. Like there's these ones that are C-shaped that you can wear during penetration that go inside of you and they hit your clitoris and your G-spot. Or like a penis ring again, because you could wear that during penetration or just literally like a little handheld vibrator that looks like a, a pebble. Like pe vibrators, people think that they're like these huge, like 12 inch, you know, they look like a, a cock, but they don't have to. They could just be like a vibrate. Listen, our bodies are covered in nerve endings. Toys feel good on men and women's bodies. And you could just use a vibrating something, even if it's a penis ring, but you use it in your hand, he could use it on you as well because he rubs it over your clitoris and stuff like that. So I just think playing with vibrations together with just a basic sex toy is a really fun way to go. Go there shopping go. together. Love that. Yeah. 
listen. Do we have any other things? I feel more more informed. Right. I'm sure the, <laughs> the listeners will as well. And if you guys want more, check out Emily's book, Smart Sex, available everywhere you get your books. And if you want to check out the toys, you can check out sexwithemily.com. And um, where else can they find you? They can find me all social media, Sex with Emily. My podcast is Sex with Emily. I release twice a week wherever you listen to your podcasts. And um, yeah, we got lots of fun like quizzes on the site and guides that can help people have the uh, most sex pleasurable awesome. possible. <laughs> yeah. We love it. Everyone go follow uh, Emily and uh, get involved with the book. And Jordana, we solved dating again. There we we did it. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Of course. Of course. We'll be back on Wednesday. Bye. The You Up podcast is produced by Sean Kilby, Maddie Paul, and Jorge Morales-Pico. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Maddie Paul. Be sure to follow at you.up.podcast on Instagram and send us your emails to uup at betches.com. Thank you to our sponsor, Netflix. Bridgerton is back. And dearest gentle readers, you will not want to miss this chapter. Longtime friends Colin Bridgerton and Penelope Featherington find themselves in quite the precarious situation. The wallflower is ready to bloom, but she needs Colin's help to find a marriage match. Will these friends defy expectations to find true love? And will Penelope's secret identity as Lady Whistledown destroy any chance she may have at love? You shall have to watch and see. Watch part one of Bridgerton only on Netflix, May 16th. Batches.